Like Call It What You Want, which we know is your favorite podcast about the beautiful game, Viore is committed to delivering a great experience for everyone, which is highlighted by their new perspective on performance apparel. Everything is designed to work out in, but doesn't look or feel like it. In fact, I'm rocking their Stratotech polo right now, along with their Sunday performance jogger pants, so I can be business on top when I'm on camera, but super comfortable on the bottom. And it's just the best. Fiori gear is incredibly versatile, and it can be used for just about any activity. Running, training, swimming, lounging around, hosting podcasts, doing errands, whatever your heart desires, because Viore is an investment in your happiness. And for our listeners, they are offering 20% off your first purchase. So go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet at viore.com slash call it. That's V-U-O-R-I dot com slash call it. Not only will you receive 20% off your first purchase, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Go to viore.com slash call it and discover the versatility of Viore clothing. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Podcast is talking with trust. I'm Jimmy Trashcan, cream cheese, Conradinho Conrad, alongside Hollywood Keith, also known as the Heartbreak Kid, also known as Keith Pierce in general. And we are absolutely buzzing, Heath, because LeBron James, the Chuck Wagon, Charlie Davis, Jay Davis. I can't even say your name because I'm so excited. He's gracing us with his presence. <laughs> yeah. uh, apparently, apparently, he's been taking photos of his morning footy partner in crime Susanna Collins uh we have evidence of it hopefully uh producer Alec can roll that at some point and uh that's why you couldn't be here Chuck but I don't know maybe you're you're racing NASCAR right now because uh the glasses you're wearing are, are pretty legit they are legit uh they they really help especially when I have to do this podcast and you know the light it's bright lights light. in here you know all the <clears throat> I thought I thought it was all the the action in the chat that's why Chuck- you had to Chuck looks like Chuck looks like the guy that everywhere he goes for the day, like when he goes to the gas station to get gas and fill up his tank, he goes inside and his only message to everybody is, "What's up, brother? Can I get what's up, brother? How you doing, <laughs> yeah, brother?" Chuck, Chuck's just missing some handlebar mustache. Yeah. Uh, if uh, you can't see him, he's I don't I don't know how you describe those glasses. They're from the future, but kind of NASCAR esque. Yeah, but kind of like Daft Punk as well. Like you're kind of in the mix there. No, honestly, I feel like these are WWF vibes. Uh, I could see that. Yeah. yeah, a little Macho Man Randy Savage. I could see. Oh, yeah, brother. Snap into it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Step into a Slim Jim. <laughs> Slim Jim. Oh, yeah. Right, that could be brother. Jimmy's new name, Slim Jim. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We got a lot to talk about. We're going to get into the U.S. Women's National Team. We're going to talk about Leagues Cup. Uh, defending in general is a lost arts after I saw Messi slice and dice Atlanta United. Just talking about defending overall. We got AC Milan signing. Samuel Chukwesi, which I love. He's a very good player. I'm a fan of him, but not if he's cut, in, cut into the minutes of Christian Pulisic. So, so uh, yeah, we've got a lot to discuss. But let's start with the women. They ended up drawing 1-1 with the Netherlands. We're down 1-0. 
that was the first time they had been down in a women's world cup game for like 12 years or something crazy. The first time they'd given up a goal in a group stage game since 2015. So unfamiliar territory potentially for this group of players, but they found a way to fight back and get into it and get a result. I actually pretty impressed with the players overall, less impressed with the coaching staff of the U S only making one sub. How do you one sub? You got five at your, listen, I'm hot. I'm hot. <laughs> one sub. You, you got, you got world-class players on your bench that would probably start for the majority of all the other national teams. And you, you make one sub. So I've got big questions of Vlako Andonovsky, but let's just get with your overall thoughts first uh, from the future. Chuck with those, those glasses. What, what are you saying? Well, if Chuck was actually from the future, he would have said you should make more subs earlier on, but go ahead. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah. That's fair. He's pretending to be in the future. I should have framed that. Better. Well, one, you have to give credit to the Netherlands and the way that they approach the game. They did. They, they were good. They controlled they the midfield. Good. They they absolutely controlled the midfield. They controlled the tempo, which then made the U.S. play very predictable balls, and it ultimately helped the Netherlands back line because they said, okay, here comes another long ball. Here comes right, another right. direct ball into the feet of Alex Morgan or making Sophia Smith have to check so far back to get on the ball, get, get it to her feet. So from that for first half, it was all Netherlands, not even, not even close. And then you expected Flacco to come out and say, okay, we're going to make a lot of tactical changes and shifts. Now they made the substitute substitution in getting, um, Rose Lavelle on for sure. Rose Lavelle on, but you you have depth on the bench. You have Alyssa Thompson Dude. and Lynn Williams. You have other wingers. You could get uh, for me. Ashley Sanchez is a baller. You needed she someone is. who was a little bit creative to play under that attacking trio because it seemed like to me they there there weren't enough players to break through the midfield and create those mismatches. Who could maybe beat a player or two on the dribble, and then that would free up that space for Sophia Smith or for Alex Morgan, or for Trinity Rodman, just to run in behind, because we weren't seeing dynamic play in the attacking third, which makes it so much easier for the Netherlands to defend. Okay, also, Heath, I uh, probably should have led with this. I kind of got to the, the end, because I'm a little disappointed with Lacko's substitution pattern. But the Dutch coach, Andres Janker, said before the game, this guy said before the game, the in intensity in European football really has grown the last couple of years, as well as the fitness. In the past, the American women were a lot fitter than the rest of the world, but I really think those days are over. Uh, if you look at the Champions League nowadays, you see the same level of intensity. So the big question is now, what is left of the U.S.'s superiority? Let's see about that. Yo, dude, we've won four out of eight Women's World Cups. Uh, what's left of our superiority? Come on, this guy. But I will say, because we are talking a little WWE slash WWF, I, I wish that more MLS coaches would do this because this this guy made it must watch. Like I needed to watch now. I wanted to see the the women stomp on their throats, and and actually the Dutch were pretty good in the first half, but in the second half I thought it was all us. You can take that however yeah, you want. No, I'm all I, over the place I, today. I no, I think I think <laughs> uh, with regard to those comments, I I don't think he's wrong in terms of the the delta. If you look at the way teams are matching up, it's a game. Of, it's it's more margins than it is. Uh, against the top teams than it was before. If you look at even the pathway to the last World Cup, I didn't think the U.S. women were going to win it. And they grind through uh, each of those those phases, whether it's uh, Netherlands, England, France. Like, you just think Wait, about you, you didn't the, think they were going to win 2019? 2019. Just they because, absolutely again, bossed it. No, but there, if you looked at each one of those games, there were still they, it wasn't like they're shut out 
these teams. Like there were opportunities for England. There were opportunities for the Netherlands. There were opportunities. Spain, Spain was actually yeah. pretty good. Against like too. they're they're the, the, the it's coming down to the margins where the U S women are still better, but it before it was more than just margins, right? It was like clear deltas. And if the U S play their best, they're going to beat everybody. Now they're having to like you do in any close game withstand a few chances against, right? If you get a little lucky on a bad bounce or somebody isn't clinical in the half chance or clinical in the chance that can change the trajectory. Like we saw against the Netherlands. I do think that that gap is smaller, but they're still Mm -hmm. the best until they're not the best. And so I I agree a little bit, but I also am like, you need to chill, man. You got, you got to prove something first. (laughs) Yeah. Right. I'm curious, Jimmy, what you think in terms of Julie Ertz being starting as a center back, having been out for so long and then coming back more of a, as a defensive midfielder to be placed as a center back over Alana cook. And then seeing how it's a, it's not as easy for her to build out of the back, to get on the ball and to break the lines with her passing. Um, because it it just seems that the U S women's national don't have an identity. There's not like a style of play. You, you watch the Netherlands, you go, Oh, that's how they play overload the midfield. They, they were played in tight, tight spaces they yeah, weren't predictable yeah. at all you don't see that from the u.s so what what do you what do you see from your perspective yeah i think for me on the attacking side there seems to be well i think we we played more into it in the second half and we obviously demonstrated it against the vietnam team that was inferior but those entry passes into alex morgan where she drops into midfield and then she flicks it on into an on-running sophia smith or trinity rodman that seems to be working for us quite well the hard part is we did it pretty consistently against the Vietnamese, but against the Dutch, it was a little bit harder because they were prepared for it. What was interesting is the Dutch never dove in. They would get tight, but they would like just drop off and just wait. Uh, and and uh, I, I noted it a few times. So that'll be interesting to see how Vlaco and the coaching staff figure out how we can still have success when you're playing against a team that's a little bit savvier defensively, which what is what I we ran say, into. Jimmy, what Go I'll ahead. say is this. If the Netherlands are giving the U.S. problems like that, how do you think they line up against Spain? Oh, Spain, Spain is so good. Is, is you watch them, you're like, wow. Yeah. Also, yeah. if I was the Netherlands coach, by the way, I would not be talking like this until uh, Vivian Niedema <laughs> came back. If she's back on the field, I, agree. Then I like your odds. But I without agree. her, you're still a team that's not, you are significantly lesser without uh, your I, best player. He, he also said that without uh, Berenstein, who's one of their better attackers who had rolled her ankle before the game. Like, yeah, the, the size of these guys is, <laughs> I, can, I can't believe he said, what he said but uh again i kind of appreciate it for a number of reasons too and and i like a little trash talk i think it, it did give you a reason to watch though you do i was i was already watching anyway but yeah. but it elevated the whole experience for me with regard to julie Ertz, it makes me wonder how alana cook is playing i when i was at the game in in san jose against wales i didn't think alana cook looked great in that particular mm-hmm. one i think you have to have julie Ertz on the field because she's a leader i think she's she's ticks all the boxes for the intangibles. She seems to be more of a disruptor. She made actually a really big uh, potential game-saving tackle to block a shot against the Netherlands. So you can see that she's got that grit. She's willing to put herself out there, sacrifice for the team. But I'm not the biggest Andy Sullivan fan. I think Julie Ertz might be better served for us to be in that sixth spot. And then that's where we've had a lot of success with her in that. But I, I guess, I don't know. I, uh, Alana Cook might not be lighting it up. So so could you, I, could you put a Ashley Sanchez as, as that D midi. Cause she's feisty too. I mean, she I plays that, as a 10 as a withdrawn striker almost with Washington spirit, but she, she's a tough tackler. I mean, she, she can mix it up or you can drop Haran a little bit deeper and, and have her be that, 
that six who's a little it, bit more box sure, to box. Sure. It, for 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 people that might not watch the women's national team as much, Haran is a little bit more box to box, of course, like you mentioned. Mm -hmm. But it's like putting Eunice Musa and Weston McKinney to cover for Tyler Adams. It, it, she's not like that's not her best position. Can she do it? Of course she can. She's an excellent player and and uh, she knows how to play that. But that's not where her instincts are. So so yeah, we could do it. And I think it would be interesting because you could bring on Rose Lavelle and Ashley Sanchez at the same time. Uh, clearly, Blacko's got some some trust issues vibes, well, potentially and some vibes some some vibes for for savannah Demello, who I, I think is a good player but it's crazy that she's getting her first starts with the national team in a world cup where ashley sanchez is on your bench or lynn williams is on your bench or whatever it is i mean it's, well, it's interesting but i get it to be fair she uh, savannah Demello absolutely has torn up nwsl she's a baller and she is I, i'm I, a fan I just of don't her think it, just yeah i just don't think it's clicked know? yet because she hasn't learned where she's supposed to be with this team, with this group of women, right? So you're, you're still trying to figure out what my role is because my role is completely different with Racing Louisville right. where I have to do everything, you know, that she's kind of relied on to win the ball, transition, get into the final third. Here it's, I got to get the ball off my, my, my feet. I got to find Trinity Robin or Sophia Smith or right. Alex Morgan and play off her. So I just think she's still trying to figure out what exactly her role is and, and how she can have the most impact without taking away from, from everyone else. Now, Heath, I want to get your question or your thoughts on this. It's, it's about, it's about the substitution thing, because if you're going to win any con or tournament of consequence, you're going to have to be 14, 15, 16 players deep minimum. And, and when you're not trusting your bench in a big moment, or, or we can see too. in the group stage too. Yeah, I agree with you, Chuck, on that. That really blows my mind. And he said afterwards, "Oh, the team was in a good rhythm. We we you know we had them on the ropes or whatever." I'm paraphrasing here, but but that was essentially the gist. Yeah, you have a team on the ropes, and and you guys, we've all been on the bench before, and you always, when you're watching the game from that position, hey, if I got in, I think I could I could impact the game in this mm -hmm. way. I could help my team in this way. I, I, I've identified a weakness and a vulnerability in the other team, and if I get in, I'm going to exploit that weakness. And we didn't give our best attacking players that are on the bench a chance to maybe impact the game in that way when the Dutch were reeling. Now, listen, I'm a big Sophia Smith and Trinity Rodman fan. You're not going to have to twist my arm to ever keep them on the field. But we have world-class players that are ready to go on the bench, and I thought we did our team a disservice. Well, one, when you look at the final result, right, you take your risk in saying, I'm going to go with what we have. And there is some truth when some coaches say, hey, I was going to planning to make the sub, but then we got into a rhythm and you don't want to disrupt that because if I make one or two or three changes, it can right. change the whole flow. However, and you've got quality on the field. However, you're building trust with these players. And when that doesn't pan out, right, you're under this criticism now of saying, why did you wait so long? You had an opportunity to bring in players, rotate, you know, rest legs, do all the things that you brought all these players. You brought a deep roster to be able to go to them and you have the talent to be able to go to them. So I'm not against the idea of like, Hey, it was tough, but even in the closing moments, like do something different, right? Do something different because you've got people that can be game changers, put them on the field to be able to make those changes. And now that can, that can create a little bit of divide, right? Of, of, of trust. If you're a player that's like, Hey, when things were tight or things were hard, you didn't come to me. Uh, in these, in these moments, you know, you went with these players, you went with the ones that you, trusted more you'd rather have these people who aren't working um based on what they did pre previously today as opposed to looking at objectively and saying hey today 
it's off. It's not working. We need to go with something else that could get us this win against this team that's showing some vulnerabilities. It doesn't need to be wholesale changes, but yeah, I think it's disappointing. Um, makes me nervous in terms of that trust uh, that you build or who you think oh. can truly go and get you the result. Heath, you, you, you said it really well. I mean, in terms of depth, this, this U.S. Women's National Team is supposed to have some, some real, I mean, talk about energy boosters coming off the bench, difference makers. Alyssa Thompson has been crushing it with Gotham. You have Alyssa Thompson, this young up-and-coming rising star with Angel Lynn, City. Lynn Williams, and, Gotham. Yeah, Alyssa Thompson, Angel City. Th those Sorry, two, ahead. is that, that's what I said. No, you got it backwards, I, you, but it's Jim. It Lynn Williams, Gotham. Alyssa Thompson, Angel City. Said, yeah, yeah, you said Alyssa Thompson, Gotham. It's fine. all right, whatever. All We're right, all on the same page. Okay, either way, absolute ballers to come in, and it, this is where you figure out for the long term in those big moments in the knockout stages, who who can come off the bench early, who can I depend on, who, because now those those are going to be questions that are unanswered. Come come at knockout stage, and you have a big one in the quarterfinals or semifinals. He was saying in the post game quotes. Ah, it's going to take time to adjust. What? <laughs> what? What are substitutes supposed to come in for? To change the game? Yeah. Th that's why you make substitutions. You don't worry about time to adjust. So, man, if if the U.S. women do not do well towards the end of this tournament, it's going to come back to these decisions right here in the group stage against the Netherlands, who are a, a really good team. But they're not, they are not, Japan, they are not Spain. They are not England. Germany have, looks good too. Germany, yeah. they, some of these teams have some some real weapons, top to bottom. And it, it's concerning in, in, in my mind. Yeah, it's it's I, it's concerning as well. And I'm hearing from some of the former players or some former players that played for Vlaco. He's not a very good communicator. So now if you're Ashley Sanchez and Lynn Williams, who I expect to be top professionals, right? But but they need a place to vent and process their disappointment for not being in these games. And, and you're going to run into like, why doesn't this guy trust me? You know, and, and, and I wonder how that's going to show to your point, uh, Charlie, how that's going to show its, its face later on when they, when they do need to be trusted. Again, I think the players themselves are going to be top pros, but I think that black Hook could be handling this a little bit different uh, in terms of his in-game management. We don't know what's happening off the field and I'm still speculating, yeah. of course. Can I, can I just say the, though that whispers I've heard about his management spot style, the, Go ahead, go ahead. Uh, but, but, but Jimmy, that's okay. If, if he's not a good communicator, that's okay. But you better have a staff that can communicate then. <laughs> yes. Because that's fair, that's you fair. can be <laughs> unbelievable tactically. You could be whatever, but you need to understand your weaknesses. The, the Federation needs to understand weaknesses to make sure that they're staffed well, to make sure that anybody that's feeling a certain way right now is getting the time and resources put into them to make sure that this team is constantly swimming in the right direction. Again, it's no different from the men to the women in terms of what you tap into to represent the United States. And you do not want to allow some cracks. We saw that with our, our 2018 failures and the cracks that slipped into that. We don't, you don't want to be on the women's national team that fails at the world cup. You, you also don't. have, you, you also have Megan Rapinoe on the bench in Julie, and they can just go to Vlaco and say, boss gaffer, this ain't working. We yeah, got to try. Right. We, we have to be, we have to believe in these women that we have on the bench. They're ready. I, I've seen them or, Hey, maybe we don't play with well, three, four in the back may, or maybe we don't play with a, right. a lone six. We don't need it. Cause we're bossing the game. Let's add some more attacking weapons. They're sitting back. A lot of teams at the U S play, 
are going to be in the mid block or sitting back. The Netherlands on this occasion, they control the midfield. Add more players to to take care of that because there's not too many teams that are threatening and are going to force the U.S. to drop deep. So in terms of making the game, add some more talent, attacking talent to, to the team or, or players who can control the tempo. And Ashley Sanchez really stands out to me of someone who should be getting more time. Well, the Netherlands have, I would say, slight control of the group. We have a better goal difference at the moment. We are on both on four points, us in the Netherlands. Uh, Portugal beat Vietnam 2-0, so they have three points. We play Portugal next. Portugal are good. I know it's their first time ever in the Women's World Cup, but they've got some ballers, and it's going to be a much more difficult game than I think people mm-hmm. might uh, expect uh, on Tuesday. That game, we just need to draw to get into the knockout rounds, and and. The Netherlands play Vietnam, so it's going to be goal difference. There's a whole bunch of different tiebreakers. I wouldn't be surprised if we finish second, which might drop us into oh, playing Sweden in the round gauntlet. of 16. It is a gauntlet if you yeah, finish second in this group. We, we want to finish first in Group B, but if we don't have Sweden, we most likely will face either Japan or Spain if we get past Sweden in the quarterfinals. Both of those teams have been playing very, very well. So it's not going to be an easy road, but I guess if you want to be the best, you have to beat the best. And so England in the semifinals. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 pretty ridiculous, our road. Uh, no, no matter which way I, we go at this point, but it would be a little bit easier. I'm going to put my air quotes up a little bit easier if we get first in our group. So we'll see how it all plays out. That next game is on Tuesday, and it should be a lot of fun. You can catch all the action on Fox and the Fox Sports app. All right, everyone, we're going to take our first break of In Soccer We Trust. When we come back, we're going to talk a little Leagues Cup, a little bit of Messi and the lost art of defending. So do not go anywhere. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to In Soccer We Trust. I'm Jimmy Conrad alongside Charlie Davies. It's always great to see him. He took off his glasses, so uh, I don't even know what's happening right now. He's, he's getting heated. He must be getting heated. He must be getting heated. And, of course, Hollywood Heath Pierce. And now, boys, let's talk a little League's Cup. I'm going to get into some of the results from Wednesday. We had D.C. United winning a game over Montreal. We had New England booking their ticket to the round of 32 for the League's Cup by beating San Luis 5-1. We have Monterey beating Salt Lake. Monterey looked very good in this game. 3-0. Philly taking care of Querétaro. 5-1. NYCFC deciding to just demolish TFC. Toronto FC, who I don't even know what's going on with that club. 5-0 NYCFC. Galaxy lost to Lyon. 1-0, which is interesting. We're going to get into the Galaxy. If they get knocked out in the group, they don't play for three weeks. So we can kind of talk about the scheduling a little bit. And then Tigres beat Portland Timbers 2-1. But the big one, boys... Inter-Miami beating Atlanta United 4-0. Leo Messi, two goals, two assists. Boston it out there. Not a big surprise, but I know there's been some chatter online that Messi does this wherever he goes. And I 100% agree that we have plenty of evidence of him decimating teams in Spain, decimating teams in France when he played for PSG, doing the same for his national team. But it just felt a little bit too easy. And Heath, as our resident left back, and I'm, I'm obviously going to chime in. Charlie, I want your your thoughts on this, too. 
what was Atlanta United doing? Like, like the first goal, Sergio They're Busquets. Not good. They're not. Sergio, I get that. Well, that, yeah, that's that. That I mean, at the end that's of the one day, one thing people think, think this is Atlanta United 2018. They're not good. Ah, oh, they're not good. They're not good, and uh, it's not a good look for anybody on that team, including another World Cup winner, Tiago Almada, who was a teammate of Messi, even though he didn't have too much impact on them winning it. He was still on the squad. You got Miles Robinson. He's on that back line, and and obviously, you know, he's got to take some responsibility for how they performed as well. But just basic schoolboy airs, Heath Pierce. Yeah, it's horrible. It's just horrible. Just like every <laughs> step of the way. <laughs> horrible. Terrible. Bad. I mean, bad. look. Bad. We've all done nothing but talk about Lionel Messi for a month now. Who do you think that you should be marking on the field or at least knowing <laughs> where is he? Lionel Messi is not fast. He's not going to beat you on a he's foot quick. race. But if you, oh, he's I don't quick. know. I think, I think he would beat you in a foot race. I, but no, I, like yeah. uh, anybody that's a top sprinter. In, okay, in fair, 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 fair. But yeah, fair. with the ball, it's different. Yeah, and, but you, and got he's no super pressure quick. On, you got no pressure on Busquets. You're going to allow Messi to just spin off. Just well, that's the problem. Hold the line. Yeah, pressure yeah. on Busquets. Why, why the hell? Why in the hell are you letting Busquets but get even, on the ball? What the even hell? So, even Sosa that tracked down, chased down Messi, oh, and then like thought that was the end of the play. Didn't have to follow him into the box, and then like just thinking that, oh yeah, I, I won't follow this runner. I'll just run through this play and be. Done. It's just a lot of those little little details that you're just like. That's why. Listen, I go back to the fact that. Messi scoring a match winner at the end of the game on a free kick that no goalkeeper really has a, a chance for unless they left early, unless they whatever circumstantially was the best thing that happened to us. Because when you see some of the other things that would have just hurt credibility, like you saw defending in that game, I'm glad he got that first one in where you're just like, it's messy being messy. Let's not make this about anything else because you go to that next game where Messi has two goals and an assist. And that obviously that second hockey assist, you go, oh yeah, some of this could have been prevented. This was not messy. This is not this is not messy being messy. This is some bad defending being bad defending. This is shambles. Yeah. I, I you say the little details, and I wonder because I, I you know we get bits and pieces from the people we know behind the scenes, and we, I always ask a lot of questions about training methods and and all that. And a lot of these teams that I'm hearing at MLS don't really work on team shape. They don't work on stuff that I maybe they just take it for granted. Like oh well. They'll figure it out. They're, you know, they've had a lot of experience up until this point. I'm going to put them in a back four and they'll know exactly how to move. But when you start to play against players that have world-class ability and understand how to break down defenses and like, oh, I've seen this before. I'm just going to do X, Y, and Z. And Messi and Busquets obviously are, are uh, <laughs> so, so good, obviously. But they know how to break that down and then they start to bring in other players. Right, Robert Taylor obviously is benefiting from this presence, right? He can run with purpose. Like He knows when Messi picks up the ball, if he busts his ass like he did on that last goal against Atlanta and gets himself in a good spot, the ball's going to be there. And I actually likened it. I had a conversation here that when when Guillermo Barros Scoloto went to the Columbus crew, and I bring up Scoloto because that changed their team. They had somebody that could hold the ball under pressure, could make the right pass at the right time, and then all of a sudden, Robbie Rogers had his best season ever because he could run with purpose. You guys know that like if you're with somebody and you're on a team and like, they get the ball to you 50% of the time. Chuck could probably speak to this better than me and you, Heath. But, okay, it's not that you won't make that run, but like 75 minutes in, you're like, dude, that guy's not going to give me the ball. And now I'm going to track back if I make this run. And, and it, is it worth my time? It, I'm trying to be efficient with my energy. But when you have players like Messi and Busquets and Scalotto and all the other talented playmakers that have played in MLS, Valderrama and Echeverry, like you run with purpose because you know those guys are going to get you the ball 
Secondarily, if you don't run your ass off into those spots, they get pissed at you because they're waiting for you to get into those spots and those gaps so they can make the pass. So, so that's the level that we're seeing, obviously, with, with Instagram. Well, and and I, I just am pissed at like, the lack of defending acumen from what I saw from Atlanta. And I think it's going to be a big problem for a lot of MLS teams if they're not working on team shape and these little details, to his point, to solve I, these types of problems. I think what's very applicable to, to this situation is Heath in your experience with Thierry Henry and what it does for the group and how his demands in terms of playing style and training, if you aren't working your butt off to not only work for him and getting the ball, but for the team and you want to be on the pitch playing with, with greatness that it, it, it forces you to either sink or swim. You're either you're going to give a hundred percent commitment and effort to see the game and develop and, and play at this high level to win, or it's just not for you. You don't have it. You're not going to show up early. You're not going to put in the extra work and, it, and that sees through and then you're gone. You're not playing at all. And I think the, this group in particular with Inter Miami, you're not only getting Messi and Busquets, you're getting Tata Martino. The demands of every day have, right. have come up considerably. Yeah. And so when you have that level, you are willing to make the extra run. You are willing to track back for a teammate that's out of position. You are going to just make runs because you know Busquets or Messi will find that pass where you may in the past, you're like, oh, these young kids who are playing in the midfield, Kramaski and Ruiz, and they're not going to play me the ball. They can't even see me. They're, they're looking down at the, <laughs> at the ball. So well, I think that that's that's a, a big benefit to to having, you know, a Messi, Busquets, and yeah. Tata Martino. It, it, interestingly, I, I was just, literally before we were chatting, uh, got on this um, on the show, I was chatting with uh, Vanny Sartini, and he was talking about, obviously, Vancouver's going to play against the, the LA Galaxy, and the winner of that will go into the knockout rounds, as you had mentioned, Jimmy. Um, and he had mentioned, like, uh, about uh, Ricky Puj, and just that this guy as a player was one of the, he's like, this is one of the only guys He's the only guy in the league is how he started it, right? That can, when he's on the dribble, when he's on the fly, release the ball without setting up the touch to release the ball, right? He can play a ball in full stride, inside of the foot, outside of the foot, over the top, and wait, perfectly weighted and move the ball around in stride. And that disrupts defenses. And he was giving a, a respect, not so much to like, you know, yeah, there are bad, there is bad defending sometimes, but he also has this capability to release the ball at full speed that you don't see it coming. You don't have a chance to set up for it. And then he immediately caught himself and he goes, well, as of like a week ago, there's two guys in the league that can to, to do that same exact <laughs> type of thing, you know, and talking about Messi and there well, is a, gets, there's three. Or, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. But, but to uh, some of the things that they do and will continue to see is at a world-class level and like rare, rarely to see in your, in, in your lifetime, of that quality. However, there is still just like Jimmy's talking about that, that like lost art of defending, not just individually, but collectively to prevent <laughs> things like that. You know, it's like, it's, it's like uh, the comments coming at Jimmy. <laughs> Jimmy will have to go back to his coffin shortly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's early here. It is yeah. early in Sydney. And so, yes, do I know that I look like I just woke up? You're goddamn right. I look like I just woke you up. You actually don't. You don't, you don't look like that. No, you, you, you know. look like you're about to go to sleep, actually, if, if I had to say. Yeah, it's a sunrise. I got the sunrise behind yeah. me. Yeah. Here. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> but, honestly, though, Jimmy Jimmy was, you know, during that era of team shape, you know, with the square-toed oh, square boots, uh, Chuck, you know, <laughs> where it was like, you know, 
if it went to Jimmy, he just booted it, you know, and he'd say, boot it. And they'd all just run boot up the it. Field, Send you know? it. Yeah. Yeah. I played in the back three where I just had to mark somebody. That was yeah. my whole job. Though. That was a li- no joke. Early MLS. I played in the back three and they're like, you're just marking Carlos Ruiz. Don't well, worry. that's crazy. Cause that's what Leon did. And they won the CONCACAF champions league, Jimmy. So like, you know, maybe that's playing in the wrong league, you know, the wrong time. <laughs> should have been down in Mexico, but I, uh, I just, I just, it's frustrating because there's a lot of little things that those teams could be doing. I know Messi's an incredibly special player. He's an alien in, in a lot of different ways. And so he's going to make a lot of defenders, especially uh, in MLS, look foolish. But it just seems like, and I put this out in a tweet, that there's not a lot of money in great defending. Like, you're not going to go out. There's no. I understand why there's no vested interest from MLS clubs like, oh, we're going to go buy a great defender. We're going to invest on that side of the ball because that's great defending doesn't put butts in the seats, right? And it's not going to sell tickets and people want to see goals. It's so also really what- nuanced, by the way. It's hard to see, right? No, like, yeah, it's true. Played, true. I'm sure, Jimmy, you played with really good defenders that you were like, oh, they're really good because they're out of position and the only play they make is the big play. And if they just a desperation over, tackle, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I always talk about the Jamison Olave. I know he catches strays, but like he was always the one that got <laughs> oh the goal line, God, the goal crazy. line of clearance, uh, goal line clearances in games. And I'm like, yeah, but if you just challenge the ball 40 yards, <laughs> up the field, neither of us had to do this sprint to go back and make you the hero. You know, like let's right, not right, be heroes right. and win the game. And uh, and who's who's for both of you? Who's been the best defender at reading the game? To make it predictable, uh, for me, I'm a big Michael Parker's fan. If yeah, you're talking about know. a current a current player, yeah, I have to think about that. But but uh, Parky but was that you played with, yeah, yeah, Michael Parker, so Steve Chirondolo. I mean, these guys weren't physical specimens. You know, they weren't gonna. Well, Parky had to be that way as a center back, small, not the biggest. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I mean, those I mean, kinds of guys though were right like with reading Jimmy. the game is incredible. Jimmy, you may have you may have been you had said it. I was like kind of like you, and, and I think I learned this in college, which is which is from Clive Charles, which is like if you're a defender and you're having to leave your feet, it's because you're out of position, right? And if That's you can right. learn to read the game earlier, yeah. you're very rarely in those vulnerable situations. And if you can, very few can do it at that elite level where they're a step ahead of the game. You talk about like the Nestas of the world, you know, the Maldinis of the world that are just a step ahead of the thinking because they either see with their eyes or they see the, how the game's going and they've had enough reps to know like. If I'm a step ahead, I'm just going to pick this off as opposed to having to, you know, one of the frustrating things we all deal with is when you're a defender is having teammates that don't read the game really well, right? So everything is reactionary and the game is so fast now. I mean, you talk about playing against a Messi or a, or a, or, or another world-class player, you're done if you're trying to react to what they're going to do next as opposed to anticipating. Yeah, anytime I see some shit defending, I text Parky and I'm like, this is this is a joke, man. <laughs> we need we need to be they need to hire us as defensive coordinators, which uh I'm actually kind of surprised that teams, maybe some are, if you guys have heard, you know, I mean we've we've heard of a throwing coach, Liverpool had that, and that's very specific. But I wonder if there are certain teams, and I'm thinking more MLS than than maybe Premier League or any other league. I think you'd be a great high- mid mid block coordinator. I would be awesome at mid block coordinating and then and then pushing us into the into the, the the final third, so we could try to win the ball closer to goal, Chuck. That's what I'm all all about. All right, hey now, Chuck. Speak- by the way, before he moves on, in Steve Trundle's words, no one plays in a mid block anymore. Jimmy's out of a job, you know. <laughs> Jimmy's well, a mid block. Well, Jimmy's an unemployed mid block specialist. You know what I mean? Waiting for well, it to come back around. That's probably true because I don't have any mid block jobs right now. But we saw the U.S. Women's National Team try a mid block against the Dutch in the first half, and it didn't work. So there are nope. still people trying to use it. So, Sir so- Robo Kai. Finally made a live show. What up? I love it. I, like I love that. it. I love it. 
So, so there's another angle about this this Inter Miami Atlanta United game. We'll get into. I don't think it's that big of a deal, but the, some fickle fans were leaving the stadium after Messi was subbed out, and so I guess the big question is, you know, how can Miami successfully leverage Messi long term? For me, when when we see the clip of all these fans leaving when Messi gets subbed out. Apparently, it's it's just not easy to get to Fort Lauderdale in the middle of the week. It's also 4-0. You know? Like, my job is done at 4-0. Like, yeah, if, you're, right. if you're looking for more entertainment after 4-0. I'm not against, into against this the toothless <laughs> Atlanta United. Yeah. So I'm trying yeah. to beat traffic, too. I'm the biggest fan in the world, and I'm trying to beat traffic. You know? <laughs> right, right, right. Especially if you brought you know brought some kids to come see Messi play. Yeah, Messi delivered, right? Mute back to Miami. Assist. Yeah, right, right, right. You got to get back. You got to get back. So I don't really read into that too much but i do think it begs the question like how does messi and his arrival to miami how does it impact that club beyond his stay right now it's only two and a half years we'll see what happens afterwards well it's but, but how do how do they how do they keep that momentum going chuck it, it's with the right signings because leo is a player obviously who who shows you what world class is the best of all time and he he brings you to the stadium but a player like robert taylor all of a sudden he's becoming a fan favorite, mm-hmm. right? So now you, you're, you're, you're developing some of the players that you already have your youth is coming up. Kramaski is another player who's, who's going to continue to play and get minutes. And he's only going to develop playing next to Busquets and seeing how, how much vision and movement allows you to excel, take away the, the dribbling ability, take away running past guys, just the, the simple understanding of space of you can be slow. Uh, Busquets is not strong or, or or particularly strong or fast or quick. But if you can't touch him, if you can't find him, then you're you're way ahead. And he's showing in MLS, and, and obviously it's just two games, but in this window, people doubted him coming here and having success because he's not the, the best athlete. He's showing you, I'll beat you with my mind. And with technique, good first touch, Balls forward into space. If guys are are making the runs, he will find you. So, the the development of the younger players that are coming through the academy, that's how you grab a hold of of South Florida because yeah. you're producing players that are from South Florida, and now you're producing players that are playing attractive style, going at teams, winning, and long term, the 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 Leo Messi experiment will benefit into Miami because of the culture that are, is going to go along with winning with Tata Martino and, and developing top players. Jimmy, how many uh, people that didn't watch Miami play in the last two years uh, that saw these highlights in the last couple of days, immediately Googled Robert Taylor to see what national team he plays for based on his, <laughs> yeah. only to realize he plays for Finland and uh, he's got an English uh, parent and he's not American and eligible. Uh, I swear to you, I guarantee you people were searching that name, just being like, who's this guy? Uh, who does he I mean, play for? In fairness, he scored a couple bangers. Uh, well I taken. But but yeah, I, I think there is something to your point, Charlie, and I, and I agree with you that the culture that they set and then have to maintain is going to be really important. I think there's a lot of buzz around this team. I think that Tata Martino already sh- demonstrated that he with Tia, um, with um, Atlanta. Why am I blanking his? Yeah, with Atlanta United, but um, Miguel Amarone, Joseph Martinez. Yeah, Miguel Amarone. Thank you so much. So, so and Miguel Amarone just scored in, in for Newcastle and friendly, but no one cares. Yeah, well, that, that you can. I, well, okay, that's great. But they, uh, <laughs> but that he can be a bridge for South American players, right? And that that Inter Miami can be, and as Atlanta was, a nice launching pad into better opportunities potentially 
in the Premier League, or that could be the opportunity getting to play with Messi. They have to really cash in on that side of it. But then, yeah, how do you how do you continue that buzz? That's going to be the trick when Messi leaves. I mean, it's yeah, hard. I see, I see some smoke behind you. I think your skin is starting to burn. <laughs> uh, Jimmy, it is hard though, right? We've seen this, and I and I go to this because you look at the Beckham experiment, and the the the, the post of that was, or the latter end is, you had Keen, amazing success. Then you had your Gerards. Then you had your Ashley Coles. Then you have, you know, you had this era. And then the constant upkeep of big name players coming in. And it's not that easy to get it right. I think they've set a new standard of the type of player that they want, but there's only one Lionel Messi, right? And when the Messi and Friends tour ends, you're going to still be stuck with some of those players' contracts probably that aren't the same without a Messi there. And you need to kind of build, like Chuck said, okay, you've now inspired a generation through your academy, the quality of that. You've now created a pipeline for players to maybe come through Miami from South America that are going to be your. Miggies, your, your, your Almarones that could be sold on and be part of that type of project. By then, hopefully, the stadium's a little bit closer to being done. And you can have all of these new things, but then you have to take it to the next level as a club as to what the next thing is, right? You can't hang your hat on, in the same way that we're seeing with the Galaxy right now, hang your hat on the trophies you won in the past and think that that's going to drive you for the future. Because if, especially in a, in a fickle market like Miami, you've got to offer somebody up something um well look at the downward today. spiral of atlanta yeah yeah they go yeah. from top class tata martino pushing to whose fault hey, is it chuck sam what's the what's their name <laughs> what's his name <laughs> y'all <are> crazy <laughs> <laughs> say it chuck chuck doesn't want to say it hey, say it, chuck, say crazy it if you were to put it on somebody <laughs> if, if you were to <laughs> who are you gonna put it on chuck? <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Chuck. It may or be, hey, may or may not be one of our former teammates. Chuck, just, hey, just, say, just, just say his name. Hey, y'all crazy. Guest room down crazy. in Atlanta. Chuck's throwing hey. these generalities out there. Doesn't want to get specific. Hey, y'all crazy. <laughs> All right, we're going to take our second to last break of Soccer We Trust. When we come back, we'll talk about League's Cup overall. Is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? We'll discuss it. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back to Soccer We Trust. I'm Jimmy alongside Heath and Chuck. And uh, we want to talk a little League's Cup. Because the big question that our producers are asking us, we want to explore it and have a discussion with all of you. Hit us up on Twitter at ISWT Pod. If you want to join this conversation, if you're listening to this later and not watching it live on the YouTubes, does this competition have legs? Heath Pierce, I'll come to you first. Do you think fans really care about League's Cup? Um, <laughs> not right now. I think when we get to the knockout rounds, there'll be a lot more, more... juice. A little more juice. juice. Yeah, the quality of the games will be better. I think this is a feeling out phase earlier on. And and quite frankly, there's only so much budget that clubs have to market to their fans, right? And I believe some of these games are part of uh, the season ticket passes and things like that, that they have access to them during a very busy summer where there's a lot going on. I do think people will care. And they won't until they have a reason to care, right? Now they're seeing the results. They're seeing whatever that you need to get the players behind it. The pool of money, which I believe is forty million um, uh, of accessible dollars towards towards uh, teams within this tournament. So it's a building process. It was never going to be overnight where you put this many teams into it. Uh, but I'll tell you one thing that I care about uh, on this right away is just how many games MLS teams have won and how many games League MX teams have won. Like that's where I'm at within all of this is like not necessarily the individual games because I'm I'm getting a chance to call them. I called the LA Galaxy Leon game um, yesterday, um, 
And uh, but but there is a pride for me of being a former player in Major League Soccer and us wanting to see our league be stronger and better. Just the overall sort of competition with uh, Liga MX and, and and how it plays out. But I do think as it goes on, you're going to see better and better teams because you're seeing some discrepancies right now, like Querétaro against Philadelphia. You see Monterey against Salt Lake. You're seeing some of these gaps that I think are going to play out in some hopefully some unbelievable games uh, in the knockout rounds. Uh, I also went through 19 rounds of penalties uh, in that first one in Vancouver. So that was fun too. Um, but I think well, fans a- will care. You just can't. You can't. You can't create history. You know, like the the the. It has to happen naturally in itself. Um, and and so I think it takes time to play that out into making the stadiums full. Um, but of course, I think I think do, people do care. It just it's going to take time to get that buy-in com- across the board. Chuck, so we have all 29 MLS clubs that are participating, all 18 top division teams in Mexico participating. There was clearly a thirst to want to get every single club involved in a competition. And this was a risk. I think when the idea came out on paper, wow, that's great. We can have a meaningful competition. It was always going to be hard in year one to to get people to understand what's happening and get the buy-in. And so there's going to be some growing pains. And I'll that's why I'm not like reading into this too much. I do think, though, that it has a negative impact on the U.S. Open Cup. And that bums me out because that's a competition that I think deserves more love and attention, doesn't get it. We've talked about that here, and, and we have the semifinals coming up. Maybe people will care more now because Inter-Miami and Messi are playing you, in the semifinals. You're damn skippy about that. But, but I think the League's Cup is going to have a ways to go before I think it really penetrates into that, oh, this this competition matters. And maybe to Heath's point, it's when it gets into but the knockout round. Can I say, though, Jimmy, can I say on that, though, this, I think, is force-feeding change, and that's what we want. Messi is force-feeding change. This league or this tournament format is going to force-feed change of clubs being able to turn around and say, hey, it's too much on our schedule. It's too much congestion. Open up the the rosters. Open up the salary cap. More depth. Like, yeah. Give me more, more depth. depth. Give me more players to call upon. Give me more so I can now go to my fans and say, we're going to put out a really quality product at this time of the year. Like, I think there is a domino, hopefully, or snowball effect that this leads to. And I think there was some purpose behind that at the league level. I'm just speculating, but purpose no, behind I that get at the that. league level, but also for the future. I think hopefully that leads to the this being a really, really big deal. Because remember at SoFi last year when they had like the round robin or like semifinals or whatever? And it was a, it was popping off in terms of the atmosphere, the quality of the games, the fans that showed up. But it was a very short window. They've got to find a way to make this impactful. And I've heard some coaches already say, "Hey, I wish this was like more Open Cup, like where you play a couple games now and you play a couple games later, and a couple games later on in the year versus like this whole month window where if we lose, we got three weeks off. If we go, yeah, that's the next round, we've the got two and a half weeks off, too. and we, you know, yeah. we got to find games and that sort of stuff. Sorry. Well, I, some I, teams I, might actually appreciate having a little bit of that break, but that's a conversation for another time. Chuck, what do you think? How would you feel if every year one USL team, the top team, gets to play in an MLS this season? Playing MLS or playing League's Cup? Playing MLS. Like one year. Well, yeah, you're. you're yeah, but it's like, not like it's then, not like a promotion then, relegation. Like you just think maybe it's League's Cup. Maybe it's like League's Cup. They get to play in League's Cup, not necessarily regular season MLS, but they get to play in League's Cup or something like that. So there's more weight to U.S. Open Cup because you're like, oh, this team played in the Le- League's Cup, and I know what they're about. But I think for the League's Cup to to really start to pick up steam, it's it's when you start to see Tigres and Monterrey 
Club America playing in those big matches, semifinal. And, and mind you, I feel it's kind of odd that all the matches are in the U.S. Because it, it's and a Canada. big disadvantage for the for, – yeah, but it's a big disadvantage for the Mexican teams. Because you look mm-hmm. at the head-to-head and you're like, man, MLS is far better than Liga Mekis. But if you flipped it and this competition was all in Mexico, we'd be we the conversations would be a lot different. I can promise you that. So I wonder if there's a version of this where you play because the benefit to playing these Mexican sides is sometimes playing in Mexico to get that experience. Yeah, I agree. I agree. That's right? cool. So I, I think there could be in the future. I'm not exactly sure why that I mean, I'm sure I'm assuming it's just controlling the variables in year one or maybe the marketing dollars or being uh, being able to sell against. I'm not exactly sure, but I hope that's the future for sure, Chuck, because I think that'd be an unbelievable experience. Yeah. It, uh, he's, since you brought it's wait, one question. Well, and by the way, Apple TV, I, up until recently, it, a league's cup was not going to be on Apple TV in Mexico from a rights thing because of Liga Mekis and all the rights deals. And I believe it is now. Um, so that may have been an, uh, uh, a part of it as well for, for obviously the global deal. That's <laughs> like the, one of the few markets, lines. one of the few markets that I think it wasn't available on Apple TV uh, at some point, um, but is, I believe is now. Heath, you brought up something that I hadn't really thought of before, but if you're an MLS club, how, how do you tell your fan which competition matters the most? Is it the league? Is it's it always, League's it, Cup? It's MLS is it the Open Cup? Cup? MLS Cup is always uh, the get, most important trophy. Okay, okay. So so then when you add these other competitions, I could see... That, that, that's, Champions League is pretty cool. Yeah, there's a whole bunch. given the, it's coming... The World Club World Cup is coming to the U.S., right? If I'm a player, right. it's wherever the most... Wherever it's going to make me the most money. <laughs> I love that reality. The real take on that, for sure. I mean, um, is, is it not a motivator? If something was significant, would it not be a big deal for you if you had a decent team and you know you could make a run? Run at that, what that could mean for you personally. Obviously, MLS Cup's a big deal, but it's also like MLS Cup, you still have over half the teams making making the playoffs, and it's still a crapshoot as to whether or not your team's going to make it. We're seeing some teams now consistently, whether you're the standard of the Seattle Sounders in their, in their era or now you know with LAFC and Philadelphia being still the favorites to, to, to go there. It's still a very difficult journey to get there, though, uh, just beyond getting to the playoffs and then making that run. I, I think it comes down to age. <laughs> Heath Pierce of Saudi because, Arabia. The, <laughs> That's the, a funny comment. The older yeah. you, the older you are, the the more I'd say money is is the motive. But for a young player, it's what's what's the biggest platform? Where, where do I, in terms of a shop window, probably right. the Club World Cup. That that's so CCL becomes the 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 end all be all to win that competition because now all of a sudden you're playing a Champions League club, you know, Champions League club, Asian Champions League club. It, it's the opportunity for the world to see you play. And, and yeah. this next one is going to be coming to the United States. I mean, it, it's, there's nothing bigger. Although I think for the fans, it's easier to digest the MLS cup because these are the, the teams you're competing with throughout the year. You see the most in the rivalries. And so it, it kind of, I mean, you, you, I mean, you want fans me, to ride or die possible. with you. Yeah. You want, you want fans to ride or die with you for every competition, but I actually thought the whole like where do you put your marketing dollars was an interesting take, Heath, because you only have so much budget and you have all these things and and some of the stuff is being force fed and and how do you balance that? And that's just from a front office marketing perspective. Coaching staff has to look at it the same way. And now we're giving player perspective where well, where are they gonna put their energy, right? I mean, 
the guys only have so much they can expend. How efficient are they going to be with where they want to put it and how do you balance it all out? And yes, ultimately it's getting to, you have to open up the salary cap. You have to allow these teams to spend. You if you it. want your teams to be competitive in all these competitions. And so, yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's data-driven on, on marketing dollars. Of course, clubs can come up with more dollars to talk to their fans, but you can't ask your fans for more dollars. <laughs> That's a hard thing, right? It's a hard ask to constantly go back to the well. And I, I talked that like... um the amount of times that Michael Hood used to ask us uh, to donate money, Jimmy, when we were at Chivas, it was like once, and then like a month later would be in the next one, and it was like uh, turned into like a monthly subscription of things <laughs> that he was doing on because he was trying to help so many people and do so many unbelievable yeah, things, yeah. which I love. But I was love like, that. hey, man, you can hit me once. You know, you can't hit me <laughs> once a month. Uh, like, you know, I've, 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 I've got to like, you know, you're not the only one that I'm trying to, to – to, no, he was, he was obviously doing it for the right reasons. But like the same with a fan. You can't like the ask like you. It's a it's a delicate relationship of of them being a consumer and a fan and supporting and and then you trying to squeeze as much juice out of the lemon. So you've got to create a compelling um, argument. And and again, it's first year and it's all come together very very quickly. So hopefully hopefully we see um, how it plays out in the long run. Hopefully there's matches in Mexico, Chuck, because you know we Jimmy and yeah. I would love to stay at one yeah. of the places down there. <laughs> especially got, on the water yeah. chuck i don't want to be in the mountains or anything i want to be on the water yeah. uh uh so let's do final thoughts uh the one thing i did want to bring up i mentioned at the very beginning of the show is samuel chukwezi coming from Villarreal to ac milan that will impact christian pulisic in some ways well I, i'm a big chukwezi fan a different maybe profile in terms of how they play and how they like to have success on the field but if you could get pulisic on one side and chukwezi on the other now they're cooking, but Liao's going to be there, of course. He's tremendously talented, one of the best young players in the world. So it'll be interesting to see where Christian fits. I have seen Pioli maybe, or at least being talked about, putting him in at the 10, which would be interesting to see Christian there with those guys around him. But uh, that would be kind of my final thought. Uh, nice moves from Milan. I think they've had a really good transfer window so far, but um, you know, obviously I'm concerned. I, I want Christian to play as much as possible, and I thought he got squeezed unfairly from Chelsea. Well, but here we yeah. are, fresh start. Uh, well, you guys, reason, final thoughts. Final the thoughts. Re the reason you, you go to Milan is to get the opportunity. So mm -hmm. wherever he was going in Europe, you're going to compete. It's And I, I think for, for him, Pioli just saying, I believe in you. We're going to make this investment. You're going to have opportunities both centrally as a 10 and, uh, a, of course, wide right. The best players will play. So, again, he just has to stay healthy and I think this is yeah, a great yeah. environment for him to Healthy. succeed in this, this Milan yeah. team. You're going to have depth. You're going to be pushed for minutes and that's, what's going to push him further in his development. So um, I, I think it's a great move and, and Chukwesi is just more competition for him to, to play over or play with. Um, and in terms of final thought, I think it's the U S women's national team is, is what stands out to me in this conversation. Does, does Vlaco make the necessary changes in game? Cause in game management it doesn't seem like it's it's quite there in, in this World Cup so far. So mm -hmm. um gotta find a way to get the most out of Sophia Smith because I think she's the real game changer in this in this team. Trinity Rodman um has to be a little bit better with her service uh because I think she she was looking to to be too aggressive sometimes. I, and I think she has to mix it up of coming inside versus going down the line and, and just crossing it. But um yeah. This is this is U.S. Women's National Team has the obviously the talent to win, mm -hmm. but they have to be set up the right way to to get the most out of them. 
Yeah, I think uh, Roosevelt needs to start as well. I think the team is just a little bit more fluid, runs a little bit better when she's on the field, and she can deliver a great set piece as well. And evidence of that was Lindsey Horan dunking on the Netherlands on the corner kick. We said that Keith, 2019 about her as well. Uh, yeah, yeah, my question is, uh, as Jack uh, stated, is Chuck Davies short for Chiquese Davies? Uh, <laughs> uh, I love that. Good that's question. it. That's it. That's it for me. I'm. I'm. Uh, I, I realize that there's You're the Juventus game here in LA tonight, so maybe I need to get over to that uh, and and see see our see our men's national team play. Yeah, get after it. We got uh, Timo Weah, Christian Pulisic. Maybe they'll match up together on the field. They'll have to mark each other. That would be pretty fun. All right, that's it. We're done calling it a show. And soccer we trust is over. So on behalf of producer Des, producer Alex. <laughs> Chukwazy Davies, <laughs> Hollywood Heartbreak Kid, uh, see you next time. and me, Trash Can, Cream Cheese, Conradino Conrad. James. We appreciate your support and love as always, and we'll see you next week. Enjoy all the games. Go, Come on, haters. Keep it coming, haters. Woo!